Good evening and welcome to Relationship Game Changers, The Call. We welcome you. We bless you. Oh, my gosh, the joy of the Lord. Just hearing those of you that pray before we get on, I mean, it's almost like laughter is contagious among you guys. I don't care what's going on. At some point, you guys are going to erupt into laughter. And it's like one person starts and <laughs> people just chime in, you know, and what a joy, what a joy to hear, you know, you come together like that. Well, first I want to thank Richard and Patsy and Amy and for just taking the lead these past few weeks. Um, I tell you what, God is developing uh, us and teaching us how to work together as a team to advance, to advance his plans and purposes. And he, as each of us brings our part, our aspect, uh, we reveal the manifold wisdom of God. And that's what Ephesians is talking about, that the church would reveal the manifold, many folds, the various aspects of God's wisdom. And so I thank God for each of you uh, just manifesting an aspect of God's wisdom. And, you know, what's amazing to me is that, you know, each one of us have different style, different assignment, different aspects. And so while we show up differently, while we deliver differently, it is the self-same spirit working all in all. And I just thank God for the love of God who gives us eyes to see the spirit working within each one of us. But I'm so glad that he joined us together and that he is moving among us. He's moving among his people. He's not moving just to one one person that we all rally right. He's moving among his people and he can be heard and felt and seen in the spirit. And so I thank God for the love and unity that Amy has cultivated here uh, wow, just amazing. She exudes with love, and, and I know we all feel it, and anyone that's ever interacted with her will attest and agree with me that the love of God, she oozes with the love of God and the grace of God, and so we appreciate her leadership on this line. We appreciate the aspect of God's glory that she shares so freely on this line, and each one of you, um, wow, Wow, wow. Thank you also for holding my arms up and supporting the work that God has given me to do and always believing the best, always believing the best. You guys, you guys are amazing, and I appreciate you and love you so much. And to those of you who are faithful on the call or listen by replay, thank you so much. You know, God is remarkable, you know, as he's displaying even one of his most notable characteristics through you, and that is his faithfulness. God is faithful even when we have been faithless. And so those of you that show up faithfully on this call or listen to the replay faithfully, uh, my gosh, you are displaying the character of Christ. And we thank you that we're a beneficiary of that. And so I bless you. I bless you beyond measure. And, and uh, you know, as you remain faithful to him and all that he assigned you to do, may he grant you the blessings that make you rich and add no sorrow to your life. I love you. I appreciate you. And I thank you so much for making ministry 
easy. And if this is the first time on your call or someone shared this replay with you, and uh, we welcome you, we bless you, we release the love of God in your life, in your soul, in your body, in your families, in your work, in your finances, in your relationships, in any other area I miss, we release the love of God into your sphere tonight. And we just pray that you would experience the weight of his glory and all of the righteousness, joy, and peace that accompanies his presence. I love you. We love you. And thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Again, whether you're live here with us right now or whether you'll listen by replay, we hope that the word of the Lord will resonate. Some aspect of the word of the Lord will resonate with you um, as you listen. Well, tonight I want to speak plainly to you about the heart of God for his people in this hour. And um, I don't know that we'll even go to nine, but it's just, you know, for a long time I have been grieved, probably most of my Christian life. (laughs) I've been grieved because I believe that what God put in me is for the people of God, and yet there seemed to be no opportunity or the timing was off. And um, so this is something that God has spoken to me uh, and continues to speak to me about. It's not new, and maybe it's not new for some of you. Um, But I can tell you that since I received Christ back in 1982, since that time, God has prepared and processed me for this hour. Uh, I remember when I received Christ, I had one main prayer, and that is, God, make me wise. I wanted and do want to be wise. I wanted the wisdom of Solomon. I, I not only pleaded with God for it, I wanted not only to have it, I wanted to become wisdom. I wanted to become the personification of wisdom. And You know, I've done some pretty unwise things in my life since that time, and I can laugh about them now because God has removed the sting of death from my testimony, and therefore I can testify of what God has done without feeling condemnation, without feeling shame or guilt. And he assured me that nothing shall be wasted. He reminded me of when he fed the 5,000. And then after everyone had their fill, he had the disciples go around and fill uh, what remained of the empty, uh, uh, fill the baskets with what remained. And they were able to fill 12 baskets of leftovers after the abundance of God was just liberally shared with his people. And so God said to me, Kim, nothing in your life has been wasted. Everything that has happened to you, everything you have done, everything that you have written, every person, every relationship, through all the good, all the bad, every indiscretion, every sin, every weight and sin that does beset, has beset you and perhaps does beset you, all the repentance, all that has been given to you and all that has been taken from you, through it all, Jesus has brought you to this moment in time for such a time as this. So when I speak a message, you know, and and I've said this often, you know, I don't prepare messages for people. I believe that uh, I am a message for God's people or whoever he sends me to. And um, 
that um, as a message that everything up until this moment in time is part of that message. And so um, I just believe that God makes a message of our lives. He makes ministers. He makes messages, and he cultivates them over time. And he does that so that the full strength and the full impact, the full measure of what he wants to communicate to his people is not something that's prepared for you uh, or for a particular moment, but something that has become necessary for the moment. And so I ask God for wisdom. I ask him to make me wisdom. So I do not only have wisdom. I don't only possess wisdom. I am wisdom. And um, about 12 years ago, after I was praying for wisdom, I asked God for love. And the reason I did is because wisdom holds truth. But truth without love is repelling. And love without truth is enabling. And so I wanted to become full of the love of God to temper me. And so I not only wanted to become full of the love of God, I wanted to become love. I was so tired of myself and putting my foot in my mouth and speaking truth and desiring one thing, but the spirit in which I spoke the truth was condemning and hurtful and didn't bring forth life. And so I wanted the love of God. I wanted the love of God that I was able to not only be wisdom, but also be love and accompany that wisdom with his grace. And so I began to understand that the more wisdom and truth we possess, the more wisdom and truth we become, the more gracious we must be with the souls God gives us to influence. And my gosh, what a difference love makes to the gifts that God has given to you. And so I've continued asking and thanking and receiving God for his love into my soul. I don't want just the love of God in my spirit. I want it to override. I want it to possess my soul because when the love of God and the wisdom of God possess my soul, watch out, people of God. We become an unstoppable force, uh, uh, just a formidable adversary, Satan's worst nightmare. See, because when you're just giving a message, the message can be taken from you. But when you are the message, nothing can be taken from you. And so I pray not only that you ask for things that represent the character and attributes of God, but that you seek to become them. For when you become them, you won't desire them. When you come them, you won't seek them. When you come then, you become a, 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 a container open and available to receive all the more. And the Bible says there's no limit, there's no measure of how much you can have of the fruits of the Spirit. And so tonight, and one of the wonderful things you guys do before we um, actually get into the message and the, the wonderful atmosphere and uh, climate that Amy has created is one of love. And we demonstrate that by praying for you before you come on, rejoicing over the line, you know, releasing the joy and the laughter and peace of God, a place where it's you can show up and you can find the space to become what God would have you to be. And it maximizes your ability to hear the voice 
of God. And so you came tonight, and I, I thank you for that. So I say all that to say, please hear me tonight. Read me, track me, meditate on the words you hear, and trust Father will make them come alive in you and resonate with you and be inspiring to you. Inspiration, the word inspiration, and I don't know if it's the dictionary definition, but it's the definition God gave me, and so I'm going to go with that. The word inspiration means when you allow God to be in your spirit, raising you up, to see from his viewpoint and activate you to cooperate with what you see in spirit raising, in your spirit, elevating you, raising you to be able to see and take part with God in ways that you cannot when you do not see. And so I just thank God for that. And so when I speak plainly to you tonight, I just want to say that um, more than uh, what the body of Christ needs, more than revelation. Let me just pause and pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the rest of God. I thank you that I speak from the rest of God, not striving, not, Lord, uh, just apprehending, but settled, seated with you in high places, Lord, speaking to your people from day three, God, how we ought to conduct ourselves in day two. Father, we just bless you, we honor you, and we thank you, Father God. We thank you that you're moving among us. We thank you that your sheep hear your voice. We thank you that these words are coded and infused with your love, God. Infect your people tonight with wisdom. Infect your people tonight with truth. God calls it, infect your people with love, God, and call them to just become inflamed with the fire of your love and contagious so that whenever they speak, wherever you place them, God, the wisdom and the love of God will be preeminent, God. Lord, we thank you that the world and even the body of Christ needs the aspect of your glory called wisdom. Lord, we bless you and we thank you for this, and we just glorify your name. Well, I want to say to you more than revelation. We have a lot of revelation in the body. We have so much revelation in the body that the people are plump. And so plump with revelation that the mobility of God's people is hindered. So we're sitting plump with revelation but not understanding what to do with it. And so God has set me strategically in his body for such a time as this. So today, uh, and I've known this, but today, When I opened my email and I heard James Gall, a prophet, declare what I'm sharing with you tonight, I had a Matthew 16 experience. And those, just just a quick recap of that experience, you'll recall Jesus had called the disciples together and he said to him, who do men say that I am? And, you know, the disciples were rattling off all these things. You're a prophet. You're a teacher. You're this. You're that. And finally Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And then Peter said, 
Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus responded to him, Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon that revelation, upon that truth, God would build his church. That experience shifted the ministry of Jesus into a new dimension. From that moment on, he began to talk about what he would incur, the death of the cross. And Peter was so happy and enjoyed the life before that message because it was fun. It was miracles. It was revelation. It was sitting around pontificating and philosophizing with the Son of God. And, man, it was enjoyable. We got to, they got to do things. They got to be part of miracles. You know, they got to see pain resolved. They got to see people healed. They liked that aspect of the manifestation manifestation the uh, an aspect of the manifold wisdom of God and so Peter was not ready to move on and yet the revelation that the father bestowed indicated that God was ready to move on and that is the situation that the body of Christ is in today God has moved on We have prayed for strategies. We have prayed for wisdom to know what to do. We're asking God for that. And I'm here to tell you tonight, it has already come. The question is, do we have access into this grace that God has caused us to enter in? And so when I heard James Gall, a prophet, uh, say, what he said, and I'm going to read some of what he said to you, I knew that flesh and blood did not reveal this to me that I have been carrying. And I certainly didn't have conversations with Mr. Gull. But what God said to me, here is the confirmation that I have moved my people to a new dimension, but there will be some that say the old wine is better. Some will say that we're still in a time of miracles, and that time will come again. But there is a time right now where the body of Christ needs wisdom. And so let me, uh, let me read to you what James Gall wrote this morning. It says, To exist above the turmoil, excuse me, someone was calling me, to exist above the turmoil in the days which we live, in which we live, increased wisdom is needed for every member of the body of Christ. But I would especially emphasize to all of our graciously gifted prophetic people More than divine revelation, we need an increase in wisdom, understanding, and application so that we can handle the word of the Lord in a more excellent and effective way. Without the bridge of wisdom in place, along with the motivation of love that comes from a pure heart, 
our precious cargo of prophetic revelation might simply end up as a bunch of dumped out excessive verbiage. I would read that again, but for sake of time. What James Gall is saying is he is not condemning the prophetic. He is not condemning the words that are uh, talking about the what and what is to come. He's not condemning that. In fact, he is graciously honoring these gifts, these aspects of wisdom that we are to reveal to the powers and the principalities in heavenly places. See, the prophetic deals with the the, the, the principalities and powers, but wisdom also deals with principalities and powers in people's lives. And so understanding and, and the application of that is the work of wisdom. And I said to you, many in the body of Christ have been asking for God for strategies, Strategies are blueprints, they're designs, they're plans, they're roadmaps, they're how-to guides. And what I want to tell you tonight is that God has already heard the prayers for the, these requests for strategies. And I would also tell you that anytime you're talking about a strategy from God, it is the fruit of wisdom. So I want you to consider the teaching that you are exposed to on this call or on my Monday night call or even in my writing, and most recently the chart that I gave you concerning the three days. It is a blueprint. It is a design. It is a working plan, a working knowledge of how to and what to engage on a particular day. Strategies are the fruit of wisdom. And if you look or study my work over the past 20 years, it has all been about strategy and wisdom that has flowed from my earliest request, God make me wise. And so I never heard this term, and I don't even think it's a term, and I'm not trying to say that the Lord told me this. But I needed a way to help you understand that the prophets that God is releasing now are what I call, not God, I call the wisdom prophets, the chariots of fire that run on the ground, that understand the plans and purposes of God, but how they apply to right now. These understand both God's will his way, and his acts. They understand the long-range plan of God, but also understand how to get the people of God there. An example, I call Moses a wisdom prophet. Psalm 103.7 says, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. So Israel knew God's will was to deliver them from bondage, to deliver them from Egypt. And they experienced that 
They experienced what God did to accomplish it. So they experienced the miracles. They experienced, you know, the things that Moses had done. They experienced the fruit of an understanding of a way. But Moses understood how God intended to accomplish it. So the people of God understood the will of God and the acts of God, but Moses understood all three, the will, the way, and the acts. Today in the body of Christ, we not only need to understand the will of God, we not only need to only understand the acts of God. See, the miracle is an act of God. Healing is an act of God. It is the result But the way of God is strategic. So, for instance, healing is his will, but Jesus demonstrates in the Bible various and sundry ways that healing can occur. And so when you understand the way of God, you also are able to free God to do it the way he wants. And you will understand things like the faith of God's people in, in uh, Hebrews 11 won the, won the approval of God. Our faith wins the approval, but the outcome belongs to the Lord. How he gets done what he wants to get done is by an act of his will, his sovereignty, and his prerogative. And so many of us were disappointed with the outcome of the elections. And this is not political. Please just stay with me for a second. But it didn't happen the way many of us anticipated. The will is still intact. We are beginning to see some of the acts of that will. But we still are understanding the way that God is going to accomplish his will. John 14, 6 says that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus was all prophets. And in specific here, as I relate to Jesus, he is a wisdom prophet because he not only understood the will of God, he not only stood, uh, understood and took part in the acts of God, he said, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear him say. But he also understood the way of redemption and surrendered himself to the process for the sake of us. So it says in Romans, while we were yet sinners, uncooperative, could care less, Jesus died. He completed the process, the way of redemption, to show us how much he loved us. And now in Isaiah, it says that the spirit of the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Now, you know, we can just say he just decided to put them in that order, but I find that order and the arrangement of words and where things are put has some significance. And if you read the chart that I shared with you, you will see by scripture the order or the progression or the design or the blueprint 
of things. And so here again, we have the order of God. God doesn't make mistakes. So there's an order here. And it says, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. What is the spirit that is resting upon Jesus and now resting upon us? What is the order of that spirit? It doesn't say the spirit of revelation. The spirit of revelation was not the first thing that rested upon Jesus. The first thing that rested upon Jesus was the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Second, the spirit of counsel, the counsel of the Lord. The Bible says many are the plans of men, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. And then there's might. And then there's knowledge and fear of the Lord. So we see an order here, a progression here. And um, so when we think about what is God saying? What does the church need right now? If we are going to walk above the fray of what is happening, if we're going to walk circumspect, if we're going to walk as a chosen people, a royal priesthood, that we should show off the praises of him who have called us from darkness to light, if we are going to walk as people whose foreskin has been removed from our hearts, it begins with wisdom. I believe in Proverbs, Solomon said, and get in, uh, get wisdom. It's the principal thing. And with I getting, get understanding. And then it says in verse three, and he sh- and shall and God shall make him of quick understanding. So people who walk in wisdom have a quick ability to perceive and understand the heart of the matter, the root of the thing. So they don't like to deal in fruits. They like to deal with the fruit of the thing, uh, the root of the thing. And his delight shall be in the reverential, obedient fear of the Lord. See, when you understand, the proof of understanding follows in your action. You cannot say you understand that if you cross a a highway teeming with cars, you cannot say that you understand the danger in front of you if you, in fact, step out in the highway. You don't understand what is about or what could happen to you. And so no matter how much you profess to understand, your actions prove you do not understand. And we can no longer just accept people's verbal account that they understand the word of God. When we understand, it translates into actions that prove we understand. It says, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, neither decide by the hearing of his ears, but he will judge with righteousness and justice. So wisdom is accompanied with righteousness and justice. Here's what James 3.17 says about wisdom. But the wisdom from above is always pure, which means there's no mixture. I often, when I'm talking to somebody and I'm operating in the gift of wisdom 
And just like I said to you tonight, the Lord didn't say that they're wisdom prophets. I am using that word or that term to distinguish what I recognize is wisdom in a prophet. And just because a prophet has revelation, it is not synonymous with wisdom, although a prophet can have wisdom and revelation. But it's not a given. There's some folks that are prophetic, and the revelation of God just thankfully pours from them. But the revelation, how to bring the people of God into that understanding and into that knowledge fails them. So it's working together that we're all, that each one is representing and reflecting an aspect of the manifold wisdom of God. It says the wisdom of God is always pure. It's filled with peace. It's considerate and teachable. It is filled with love and never displays prejudice or hypocrisy in any form. The wisdom that comes from above is pure. The motive for what is said to you is pure. It's not about selfish attainment. It is truly about the person that it is being released to. That's why three sessions to a breakthrough works, because the wisdom that is imparted is for the individual. I can tell you this, in those sessions, 99% of the people on the first session tear up or cry, or you can feel them leaning in to the truth and that truth is penetrating in their hearts. I've told you before, as believers, we must learn how to speak to the heart of a person because if we don't speak to the heart of the person, we are simply left with their head. And speaking to the head of a person changes nothing. It's a great conversation, great sharing of the world, but it produces nothing because only life, begets life, and life comes from the heart. Life comes from the spirit. So the wisdom from above is pure. It's full of quietness, quiet gentleness. It's peace-loving and courteous. And what that means, it doesn't fear discussion. It does not fear being challenged. It does not, it's not afraid of, 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 of just the dialogue or the debate, not the debate that doesn't come to some productive end, uh, because wisdom will also not deal with these cycle conversations. They want to break the cycle but they're willing to have discussion. They're willing to understand why a person believes the way they do. They don't come into a situation with guns blazing. They don't come with the sword out of the sheath. They are so confident in the love of God. They are so confident in operating in the third day. They come undefended. Why? Because when you have truth, and you're walking in the wisdom and love of God, there's no need to defend yourself. Why? Because the truth does not need a defense. And one of the things the Lord said to me is that when you speak wisdom from me, 
If people do not receive it, then it will become a marker against them in the day of judgment. And I've also had people speak to me that just thought I was, you just kidding, you're not hearing it right, this is not me, and months, years later have come back and said, you know, I got an email like this, you know, when you said what you said to me that day, I couldn't hear it. I just thought it was just cruel and da-da-da. She said, but Lord brought that back to me, and it changed my life. That's what wisdom does. It changes your life, not because you're trying to, but because the word of wisdom is pregnant with the life of God, the anointing of God, the power and authority of God. The people in Jesus' day said, where are you getting this from? By what authority are you speaking from? And when someone has the, is operating in wisdom, there is an authority that is commensurate with that wisdom. So people that are walking in wisdom, they have love, they have gentleness, they display the fruits of the Spirit. They will admit when they're wrong. They will ask for forgiveness because they understand the cost of maintaining the gift and understand that if they walk in unforgiveness, that if they behave and practice ways that are unbecoming of the father of wisdom, then they will forfeit their access to it. And while they'll have some, as Adam and Eve did, it will fade because wisdom needs to be connected to the source of wisdom. And then it says it's also full of mercy and good deeds. Wisdom is kind. It's wholehearted. It's straightforward. It's sincere. You know, Pastor uh, uh, Richard's pastor, I had a chance to listen to some of her message. I think Amy shared it with me on Monday or Tuesday. And I must tell you, there was a word that she used that resonated with me. And she used the word excavate. And I just sat with that word because, you know, you hear digging up, you hear plowing, and all of those are forms of turning the dirt over to get at something or to prepare something. But when you excavate something, that is a psych, uh, archaeology, I can't pronounce right, it's an archaeologist term. And if you study archaeology, or and I didn't, but if you know anything about archaeology, they first survey the ground. They first consider who they're talking to. They evaluate that person's readiness or, uh, yes, readiness to be probed. They don't just go in with, shovels and guns blazing. They evaluate the situation, but they also evaluate what what remains of God's glory in that person that he is ready to redeem. He said it again. An archaeologist or someone that's excavating, they survey the ground or the person or the soul in which they are going to be excavating. 
They also survey not only the person, but the circumstances around which that person is. They survey the supports that that person has through this process. They evaluate what remains of God's glory in that person that God has decided is redeemable. There are things in each of us that God finds redeemable, and quite frankly, there are things in us that God is just ready to be done with. Be done with. He doesn't need them. They don't reflect him. But he's always looking for what is redeemable so that when a person comes to Christ and enters the body of Christ, the things that are redeemable remain intact and that a true excavator can see them and cultivate them and facilitate a person coming to their uh, destiny. But an excavator, an archaeologist, they also have a plan. They just don't run in and give the three steps to salvation. They, listen, wisdom is much more dynamic than that. And they use the model of, a, of an archaeologist, an excavator. They understand the value of the soul that's in bondage. They understand the pricelessness of the soul that it's addicted. They understand all of that, and so they plan. They have a, a, you know, they do their homework. Um, They ask questions about that person. Why? Because they need to understand the story of that person and where that person is lodged or where that person is stuck. So they ask questions as they're formulating this plan because what the person is telling them is valuable in terms of knowing how to dig, how to affirm, when to affirm when is, versus when to confront. I've told you about clients. They couldn't handle confrontation. So I had to spend sessions affirming, affirming, affirming until the one day this gentleman asked me a question, and I was like, oh, now you're ready for me to confront you. And so knowing those things is the carefulness of love. And then they take notes. They take notes. And wisdom, like archaeologists, sometimes they pull back for a moment. Why? Because they need to reevaluate, reassess based on the response they're getting from the, the soil. And so, guys, there's so much more to it than that, but I just wanted you to understand that because wisdom is accompanied with love, wisdom is an excavator. It's, a, it's like an archaeologist, and people are treasures. You know, it's interesting to me that we were doing this study in Face It, um, and uh, in the workbook, one of the activities is for people to um, research their name. And the name Kimberly comes from a place in South Africa called Kimberly, South Africa, and it is noted for diamonds and mining diamonds. So when the Lord, the, the revelation came to me that I am a diamond excavator, and I'm not only putting, I'm only putting all this together as I'm talking to you, so it's not like I had this written out or planned. But my name means to excavate or mine diamonds. And I thought that was just really, really powerful. So people that operate in wisdom uh, understand the value 
of what they're doing, and they just don't do it haphazardly. And they will use the sword. Don't get me wrong. They do know how to cut. They do know how to slice. But when you're dealing with a person of wisdom, the swinging of the sword is deliberate, it is specific, and it only hits what it's intended to cut. Just like Moses when he told Aaron to throw down the rod. The, and, all, and, and the rod became a snake and gobbled up all of Pharaoh's magician snakes, but it didn't harm one person of God. That's the skillful use of the sword. Swing it, we must. But if you swing your sword at everything that comes, oh, my gosh, like you'll be like Peter cutting off ears because you don't understand the way of God. Peter understood the will, he saw the acts, but he didn't understand the way of God. So when they start to arrest him, his immediate response was phileo love. Nope, it's not going to happen. Nope, and he cut off the ear. What did Jesus do? He picked it up and put it back on the man because Jesus understood the way of God. Peter understood the will and the acts. Wisdom digs with love and regards the remains of uh, of God's glory that which God has said or finds redeemable in a person. And so people are like silver and, 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 and more costly than silver, more costly than gold, more beautiful than diamonds. You know, we sing that song of, of God, but his people are like that too. People are silver and gold and diamonds and even more costly than these things. And here's the thing. Believers in every generation, there are some that of God has blessed with a gift of wisdom and the spirit of wisdom. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 says, for to, the one, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit and another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit. And so there is the gift, the supernatural gift of wisdom. This isn't something that a person learns how to be or learns how to do, it is something that one receives of the Spirit of God and becomes integrated into that person's soul. And as a result of receiving and exercising, they in fact become the wisdom of God, the personification of the wisdom of God. Jesus was the personification of the wisdom of God. And so wisdom is a spirit. I share with you Isaiah 11, 2, that the spirit of wisdom and understanding rested upon Jesus. But then we get wisdom from studying the Bible. So it's not just exclusive to someone that's been given the gift of wisdom. You know, you can be in a situation and God just impart wisdom to you right then. The Bible says study to show yourself approved to God. A workman does not need to be ashamed, but you're able to rightly divide the word of truth. So when we study, we gain the ability to rightly divide the word of truth. That's 2 Timothy 2.15. So you can obtain wisdom by studying God's word. You can obtain wisdom from life experience. I was walking the other day, and this we had had a, an exchange with this guy, and uh, he he said to me he said to me um, he said we were passing. So I was going one way, and he was going the other way. But it was kind of a circular track, so we kept crossing each other. The first time we crossed, you know, we said hi, smiled. I said, "Hope you have a great day." The second time we crossed, he said, he said, "You know." For all this walking, 
for we're, for all this traveling, we're still in one place. So for all this walking, we're still in one place. And I said, wow, that's really something to, to chew on. I'm going to chew on that. And so I did, and I came around, and I said to him, hmm, if what you're saying is true, then that means that I will move best when I'm still. And he just looked flabbergasted. So we kept walking again. (laughs) And we had a series of these exchanges. And in this last exchange, I said, you know, sir, many have eyes but don't see. You see. So my question to you is, who funds your vision? And he was caught off guard, didn't know how to answer the question, and finally said, well, I'm older than you. I mean, you could just see he, he was just rattled a little bit. But I didn't say anything to him. I just said, he said, he said I'm older than you, and, and you'll understand when you get older, you know, you'll have these life experiences. And, and, and so what he was telling me is that he really didn't know the supreme author of his wisdom who was using his experience, who, in, who instructed him through his experience. So we can gain wisdom through experience. And then the Bible says, for a righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in time of calamity, Proverbs twenty four sixteen says, even fools are thought to be wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Here's the thing. The wisdom that God's people need in this hour will not come automatically. What I said at the beginning, we have prayed for wisdom, we've prayed for strategy, and I declare to you tonight, it is here. You can gain it by studying and learning to rightly divide the word of truth. You can receive it by asking for the spirit of wisdom. The Bible says if any man lacks wisdom, Let him ask of God and he'll give it to him freely. And we can get wisdom through experience. But in every generation, God will call some to become the personification of wisdom. These people aren't perfect. um, But in everything they say and do, You can recognize, you hear, you sense, you feel the mind and heart of God. You feel the kindness of God, the love of God, and the compassion of God. And their desire is to grow in that. Their character is sterling. They are about character. They're going to treat you right. um, And when they treat you wrong, you don't have to tell someone that has the gift of wisdom because God has already revealed it to them and he will send them to you to confess and ask your forgiveness. I can't tell you how many times I've had to do this. So I know. And usually when God sends you to a person because internally, you know, he let you know, oftentimes these people won't even know what you're talking about. Or they'll just say, that's okay, you know, that's okay, no problem, it didn't bother me. 
Well, it bothered God. So I needed to say something to you and ask for your forgiveness because people who are truly wise are humble, which means it doesn't mean that it's it's not a false humility. It's that they are so in touch with their human frailty. They are implementing Philippians 2, 5 through 8 which says that, they, that Jesus wasn't trying to be God or a little God. It says that he was a servant, and he became a servant by taking on the form of humanity, and he actually became one. He became a man, and then he surrendered his humanity to God. Oh, my gosh. So many of us try to be obedient to the Lord, but we've never embraced our humanity, the good, the bad, the ugly. That's Patsy, you did an amazing job the other week because it was an embracing of the humanity. And one of the things that God told me, he said, Kim, if you will be 100, he said, you are 100% human and you are 100% spirit. If you will be human, then I, if you will be human, then I will work through your spirit so that the excellency of the power will be proven to be of me and not you. And so my desire right now is to be fully human. Now, I know in some Christian circles that's kind of not necessarily embraced because we want to be full of the spirit I am. We want to live by the Spirit. Uh, we want to be led by the Spirit. The Bible says that they that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Well, I want to tell you this. I reside in the Spirit, but I work in humanity. I work in the souls of men. Jesus lived in the Spirit. That's why he said he had no earthly residence, I believe. He said, I live, I reside with my Father. I live in the Spirit, but I'm working among humanity. So when we say God is among us, it is in the people that he is endowed with his presence and with his authority. See, miracles, signs, and wonders are the acts of God. And they're beautiful. They're amazing. And we will see them again in greater dimension and greater glory. But first, we must partake of the wisdom of God. Now, that's not common teaching. That's not mainstream in some circles. We want to go right to miracle signs and wonders. And for many of us, our ground game is poor. And so, Father, tonight I bless you and I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father God, and trust that you made your word so plain to your people and that it is so saturated in your love and your kindness for them, your care for them, God. You care for us. You attend to us. You said that you were our shepherd and that we would not have any need. You also said the righteous have never been forsaken, nor their seed be found begging bread. You said that we ought to pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and then to give us our daily bread. I believe the wisdom of God is the daily bread that we need now in day two, the reformation of the people of God by your Holy Spirit. Father God, as you bring your people from the outer courts, and I speak specific to the remnant, as you bring them from the outer court into the inner courts of day two, the, David said that you desire us to know truth on our inner man. So Father God, I thank you for the wisdom of God. 
I release the wisdom of God to the people that are listening now. I release the wisdom of God to the people who will listen by replay. And I pray that that wisdom would take up residence in the soul of your people, God. Lord, I thank you that wisdom is the study of difference, God, and and the ability to perceive what is imperceptible to the natural eye, God. I pray, God, that the grace and the glory of God would accompany your wisdom, that love without measure, God, would just saturate your wisdom that is going forth today, God. I thank you that it is, Lord, full of love and peace. It's pure, easy to be received, and works righteousness. It works to realign us and align us properly with your spirit, God. So I thank you today. I thank you, Father God. I thank you for measuring my words. And I would say this only this one other thing, people of God. The wisdom message will not always be accompanied with high praises and the the things that accompany the signs and wonders. Why? Because the signs and wonders point to the acts of God and his glory, and it calls people's attention up. Miracles, signs, and wonders call people in a very tangible way to look at God and to trust, to be drawn to him. But the miracles will not keep people in God. The wisdom of God calls people down. It calls people in. It is a humbling thing, but brings people into the inner court where the brazen altar, where the sacrifice, it brings people into an encounter with God that will not only draw their attention to God, but has the staying power, the sustaining power of God, so that the people of God also can live and reside in the spirit, but work in the midst of humanity. And so, Father, I bless you tonight. I give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amy? Amy, are you still on the line? Maybe she got off the line. Let me see. I think you're still on there. Can you hear me? God. I can hear you. Praise God. That was powerful and, and so true. We need the ground game and the air game. The strategy yeah. so important. Wisdom. Yes. Absolutely. I think you've said it all. All right. Always want to make room. I want to make room. Um, Guys, I encourage you to share this message. God has already transitioned. He has already released strategy. The chariots of fire, the chariots of wisdom, the wisdom prophets are on hand. And I would tell you this, that immediately... Some will not receive because the wisdom message doesn't come with pomp and circumstance. The wisdom message doesn't come, uh, uh, it doesn't come all the time with the, uh, and I don't want to put it down. I just want you to be able to distinguish 
what God is doing. There is a time for joy. There's a time for and and we and and and, and uh, an atmosphere of joy and love and even laughing. The wisdom message is less about signs and wonders. And don't get me wrong, because I am trusting God that that and maybe He won't do this. But some of the signs and wonders would also follow the wisdom message, and they are. But here is the sign or the miracle of the wisdom message. And if you don't understand it, when you see it, you won't recognize it as a miracle. The miracle of the wisdom message is a truly changed heart. It is someone that did one thing and now is doing another thing. It's a person that didn't have this but now has this. I, you know, it's a person that, and, and Amy, I don't know if you want to chime in and share your experience with wisdom and, and desiring and what has happened and how how God has just just uh, just transferred to you such that there is just a level of respect um, that is just um, it's phenomenal. It's actually it's absolutely phenomenal. I'll I'll, I'll stop there because I probably could go on, but I also want to learn how to exercise self-control, <laughs> particularly when I'm speaking. So uh, I, I bless you guys. And, Amy, if you don't have anything else, we will give the replay. Oh, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if I had remuted myself. Um, yes. Truly embracing wisdom, it is a change. You're able to turn to see that's the best way I can say is just, you know, encountering wisdom. And by that, I mean um, walking things out with Kim because she does walk in wisdom and has a spirit of wisdom. You know, just being able to see things in my life um, that I hadn't seen, um, particularly boundaries and being able to specifically, and it is it is a change. It's opening your eyes and being able to see after a wisdom is imparted, being able to see things with a different perspective and making immediate changes, um, the walking out of them may take effort, but the visual piece of them isn't so much an effort. It's truly just opening your eyes. And the way that happens is, is being in relationship with wisdom. So that's why I can say being in relationship um, with Kim, being that she walks in the spirit of wisdom um, that's exactly what happens and I think that that is what God is calling for we each carry something and when we are truly connected to one another um, as the bride as the body of Christ um, and we are exercising those things God has given us then we will change and we will see change around us because each of us um, as we receive one another truly, then we are changing and we are joining together. So I can absolutely say that. And um, even that you're able to share so plainly tonight what wisdom looks like and what it carries, um, just making that distinction is wisdom within itself. <laughs> so being able to distinguish um, what wisdom looks like on the ground and of course, having a changed mind comes before anything transformative in our in our life. 
so I just yeah. echo what you're saying, and I am an example. My life, you know, has come in contact with your life, and I do receive you in wisdom, and I am better for it, and I am more in Christ for it. And um, I do believe that there are pockets around the world where Christians such as us are coming together and are receiving one another and are receiving um, Holy Spirit and just truly a connection that only that only we can have in Christ and receiving wisdom, receiving knowledge, receiving love, receiving all these things that each of us carry in different measures. So I definitely just echo what you're saying, and it is, in fact, true. You know, Amy, you mentioned one other thing that I didn't mention about wisdom. Um, One of the miracles of wisdom is you gain your eyesight back. You gain sight. And it is like opening the eyes of the blind. We're just so in tune to the natural miracles. And believe me, I want them too. I love Jericho's. I I do. I want it to happen quick and fast. And what I would tell you is one of the, the, the benefits of having experienced wisdom is that you will see like you have not seen before and you will have to choose to close your eyes again because once you see, it's a choice to close your eyes. So wisdom, it opens the eyes of the blind. It removes the foreskin of a person's heart. It can take out a stony heart and place within it that person a fleshly heart, a heart that's capable of responding to God. And Jesus, the Bible says Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and that's my desire now. I not only want to be wisdom, I want to grow in it so that I'm infinitely more effective in aiding and working together with God for the advancement of his kingdom in the heart of his people. Well, we've gone over a little bit, and so I want to give you the replay number. And I encourage you, if something in this message resonated with you, uh, if the calm, see, wisdom brings calm. Wisdom doesn't bring excitement where there is excitement. Wisdom doesn't add to the noise. It is the still voice in the noise. And so we have a need. The people of God have a need for calming voices right now. We have a need for voices that arise from rest, voices that are so full of the love that there is no fear. And so, Father, we bless you and thank you for being all of those things, doing all of those things and giving us an opportunity to receive all of those things. We thank you for what you've brought each one through. And I declare nothing shall be wasted as you have purposed them to display an aspect of your manifold wisdom in the earth. We bless you. The replay number for today's call is 605-475-4980. The access code is 341000-POUND. And the reference code for tonight's call is 141-POUND. 
four, one pound. So praise God. It's interesting to me. You know, I don't always do this, but the number one, four, one, it's two ones. One, our God is one. And number four is the government of God. It's a representative of the government of God. And so I pray that you receive the government of God in your life. Uh, tonight and and as you go forward in Jesus' name. And and again, share the message. Let's get the word out that God is a compassionate God, ever drawing his people to himself through wisdom and understanding as one aspect of his glory that he's manifesting now. Well, we love you, we bless you, and we will see you on the call next week, God willing. Thank you.